grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Let's just pray together for a moment, please. Father, we would thank you, loving God, for your presence on this place, your promise. For two or three of God, there you are in the midst. Lord, we've come to church this morning, Lord, and I'm sure we have different problems. Things, Lord, that take our attention. And I pray, loving God, today that we would simply leave them at the foot of the cross for a time anyway, but preferably forever. Lord, help us to lay aside those things which distract. Help us to see Christ here. And Father, when Satan comes knocking at the door, Lord, find you tempt us. May Lord, we be always reminded that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And we praise you, loving God, today for that. Help us, Lord, just to draw near into your presence. Help us, Father, help us to see Christ as they see clearly. And Lord, we commend these things to you and then through that precious name of Jesus. Amen. James 5 verse 8 says, Be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. And James in these verses reminds believers, past and present, to be patient. I'm probably the most unpatient man in the world, I'm sure Trevor would agree with that. We're told in Scripture to be patient. To weep. And the great word for patient here also can be translated as enduring. Keeping steady under provocation. He exhorts them, he encourages them to endure and to hold on, and he does so with good reason. In the opening six verses of chapter 5, he delivers a, a stinging rebuke of those who were rich. He calls them rich oppressors. They refused to pay the workers what was due them. We can't imagine toiling under a hot sun in the harvest field when you want to collect your wages, you're told you're not getting paid. And it goes further, he accuses them of actually condemning and murdering innocent people. Now what they say that fortunately is they come from Balamina. It's fortunate these were Balamina people, people working and they would have been a riot if they refused to pay them. But they did. And they got away with it. They, they thought, well, we can do this, we can easily ignore what the people are saying. And the people to whom James was writing were under a very heavy burden. And the more of that, I believe, is a real possibility. It was Christians who were being denied their wages. It happened then, it's happening now throughout the world that we live in. Believers are being persecuted even to death. You know, it was so easy for the, uh, at that time for the, the believers to give up on their faith. Things were tough. Yet they had to be faithful, to be peace-loving witnesses to the work of salvation in their lives. Christ was real in their lives. Even though there was great injustice being done, something I wanted to say real Christ is in my life. It's only when times of difficulty and hardship come that you will know. So much injustice. 
The world is filled with injustice. Persecution of believers in Iran, China, India. You can take your pet and watch the, the news this morning. It's two feet fighters all in the Show you cases throughout the world that you've never seen BBC. Where people are being persecuted. Whether you're a Christian or not, it doesn't seem to matter, but they are being persecuted. And the believers in the world that we live in are being persecuted. And I read just recently where a girl, a young girl, 20 years of age, a student was stoned and beaten to death because of her faith. When the police stood and watched, can't remember the name of the country. And that is going on in the world that we live in, friend. And it's only because of Christ, because of His Word, that we dare face even tomorrow. It's filled with injustice. There's persecution. But we live in a society where, quite honestly, the thing that annoys me more than anything would be that there are people who are guilty of crime. And they often claim their human rights have been violated. But they deny their victims any rights at all. I haven't learned to turn the other cheek yet, and maybe God and His wisdom might do it someday, but not in that. And it really antagonizes me when I read these sort of things that's going on in the world we live in. Live in. All around us there's evil that seems to prosper. Good is trampled into the ground. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. And it would be easy to despair. But James reminds us of the need to be patient. He says, verse 7, let's do what God is saying through James. Verse 7, be patient. Verse 8, be patient. Stand firm. How can I hear stand firm? Have you ever seen any war films at times? I can't remember where it was. But, and they were in a line, and the guy cried out. He says, hold the line against the enemy. And that's what we need to do as Christ's church is to hold the line. Stand firm. No matter what may come. He uses, James uses the illustration of the farmer in regards to being patient. The life of a New Testament farmer was hard. It was a real tough life. The life's tough today. In those days, it was really tough. Unlike today, his crops were his only source of food. He couldn't live down to the local supermarket because of hunting and gun. And even if he could, he had no money to begin with. If the crop failed, it would remain starvation, possibly death, to his family. He simply couldn't afford to fail. There was no plan B for the farmer at that time. He would plow the fields, he would do all that was required, plant seed, uh, seed that his family could have eaten, by the way, as well, but he knew how to be planted for their future survival. He would weed carefully, he would water it if any was available. You keep a pestle as much as possible in birds for it, for instance. Do everything he could physically, but eventually he would have to wait for the spring and the late rains to ripen his crops. It can't be like that sometimes in life. You do all that you can in your own physical strength. But there's things you can't do. And it's saying that we need to be patient, to step back and let God be God in our lives. Soon the food for the farmer uh, that he would have stored would begin to run out. We'd have to ration what was left. It was not uncommon for food to be rationed and children to cry from hunger a month or two before the harvest. But done all that he could, he had to wait. But he worked while he waited. Be impatient. 
is never an easy task. When going through trials and tribulations, uh, we always want an answer yesterday, at least maybe. But there does come a point when we can do more. It is then we must endure and be patient, learning to lean on Jesus. As I said, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ suffer persecution daily. And sometimes they pay the ultimate price with their life. And they know what they face. How so to grow in the knowledge of Christ and his suffering? But there is one desire. Their one desire is that Jesus, as he promised, would come back again. It's not what we look for today. Do we go through life, we go through emotion, we get up in the morning, go to church and come home. But is there no idea in our mind that Christ might come today? So easy and bread for fact. Their own desire is that Christ would come again, set them free, and take them up to be with Himself. It says in Matthew 24 and 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. In Genesis chapter 6, God saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become. Indeed, every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Verse 11 says the earth was filled with violence. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Just listen to the news if you need to have that clear. How is, it, how is today any different from Noah's time? What were they doing in Noah's time that is not being done today? I certainly don't know. I know the word of Lillian and bring myself could have been worse in Noah's time. You think about a personal level. We live in a country of so-called free speech. Unless, of course, you are a born-again believer, we are not allowed free speech at all. We're not allowed to express what we believe and what the Bible teaches. Today, sin abounds on every side. So all around us, no longer do people feel guilt or shame for their sin. In their lives, they are not sinners. But God declares in his word that we have all sinned and come short of his glory. On a national level, Northern Ireland celebrated 100 years for that last year. I keep thinking to myself, will there be in Northern Ireland even in 10 years ago? I think it's been changed so much. I think it's fair to say that the country is certainly morally and spiritually corrupt and bankrupt. MPs who years ago were caught, as you know, fighting their expenses. People that were meant to trust, you can't. So it's not like this of, don't do as I do, but do as I say. Seems to be the order of the day. We haven't mentioned the former Prime Minister who has resigned the COVID party and telling lies, except on, uh, just in despair sometimes, that people just don't become truth and have done. The poor get poorer, the rich get richer. On every hand, there's many a thing facing us on a national level. And apparently, monkeypox seems to be the next sort of problem that could be coming our way. New types of COVID have appeared. But there's so much on the horizon that would frighten quite honestly if we didn't have Christ in our life and our heart. On a world level, there are a few countries that are fleeing from terrorism. So, watched some of this morning. The latest fear is that Islam, Islamic terrorists will get a 
and live your world. We have American and Euro troops are, troops are involved in companies trying to maintain peace throughout the world. Major concern over global warming. And of its effect, or at least one of its effect, is the rising sea level, at least that's what we're told. And I came across this and it's true, so we say it with great fear and contradiction. Al Gore, who was the next vice president of America, wrote a book about rising sea level. Um, that tours with many places and spoke and was financially quite well off with the sale of the book, etc. And for the money he made, he bought a house. Nothing strange about that. But the house and tool was in California. Cost him $9 million and sits right on the seashore. It's called Ocean View. Now, if you were speaking about raising sea levels, why would you buy a house right on the seashore? That's nuts. Yet these are things that are going on in the world that we're living. Increased natural disasters like flood, fire, famine, earthquakes, so on and so forth. I don't mind if you press upon this. One thing I've noticed of recent times that the term the New World Order is being bandied about an awful lot more than what there was in the past. There's a group of 170 countries of the world who are involved in a group that come together, and that includes Great Britain. The last summit they had was in Dubai on the 29th and 30th of March 22. They want a one world order. One world government means a one world money, laws, army, so forth. And that's exactly the platform the Antichrist is waiting for. If it comes to pass, and it will do, according to God's time. You need to watch and listen to the news. These things are happening all the time. We don't always get to hear them. We're living in unstable times. I get more depressed than we're doing this sermon. So hopefully they will come up and we got better. And there's a great sense of uncertainty. But we have hope. We are a people of hope. A hope that is founded, grounded in Christ and Christ alone. Therefore, we must stand firm. Be patient. We are God's witnesses on earth until he comes or calls. Regardless of what it costs us, we must be his witnesses on earth. He is still on the throne and in control. The brother in the tonight was touching on a lot of this. How we might feel what we see about us. God is always in control. God is in control. He's always been in control. Whether it's on a personal, national, world level. And James is saying, no matter what happens, God is in control. We're kept in the hollow of his hand, safe, secure, grounded in Christ. Peter Gates says in his book on James, but the hope of the Christian is in the second coming. The world will not be destroyed or evil defeated until Christ returns personally to destroy it, root and branch. Verse 7, James says, Be patient until the Lord comes. Verse 8, Be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Verse 9, The judge is standing at the door. Believers are to be patient, they patiently await the Lord's return. <coughs> we see the Lord's return as something exciting or frightening. 
Done a quick calculation, you see, 49 years as the same. 49 years, it's really a lifetime. And you keep looking back and wondering how much longer. But every day it takes you closer to that day when Christ will break the cloud and he will come. And the twinkling of an eye. There are three Greek words in the Bible to describe the second coming of Christ. The word uh, James uses in 5 and 7 is Perusia. Used from referring to the revival of an emperor or king. But even that word does not do justice to the arrival of the king of kings. Scripture tells us the following that the second coming is certainly foretold. Luke 21 27, at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Don't know the time. Luke 12 40 says, you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Matthew 24, 36, no one knows the day or hour, not even the angels of heaven, but the Son, nor the Son, but only the Father. Scripture tells us that the second coming is spoke of as being near at hand. Hebrews 10 and 37, for just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. The signs in this world today point towards that his coming is needed. Matthew 24 spoke of wars, problems, and earthquakes. You only have to listen to the TV and go understand what I'm all about. Wars, numbers of wars that have been, they say, 15,000 recorded wars in human history. I don't think we counted them, but they reckon 15,000. 20th century has been declared as being the most bloodiest of all. They estimate that some 200 million have died in conflict. World War I, the Battle of the Somme, and Northern Army would certainly remember quite a lot. 440,000 died from both sides, British and German. And it goes on, World War II, 50 million. We live in a world that seems to be full of violence. The way of Christ is the way of peace, not of violence. Ukraine is the most up-to-date one you can think of. These things will be before the coming of Christ. So do not fear them. Simply stand firm. We know that he's coming. Believe, be patient, and stand firm for his coming is near. Famines. The word that was seen was never without a famine. We just heard this morning that there's a famine, famine brewing in Africa. Not long ago, there was a shortage of rice in Asia. Rice being a staple food like our bread. For many minutes, of people, um, people greed, people were stockpiling um, the rice in order to push the price up and get more money. When people suffered. You know, these are days of living of wars, bombs, earthquakes. You only hear about the big earthquake, but apparently in 2020 there was about 13,654. 21. Yeah, 2021. 16,864. They're there all the time. And what does it tell you? All around us, the signs point towards the coming of Christ. We want a day that would be when Christ breaks the cloud and you receive your, your new body. Even if the old body, the old simple person is gone once and forever. And you remove it and you get that still, still less body. 
that Christ will give them. The purpose of his coming is quite simply to claim his bride, to collect also himself, and to judge the world. Satan will be defeated at that time. He is defeated already, but he will be removed from power and cast um, into punishment. God's perfect plan will be fulfilled. Jude 15 says to judge everyone, to conflict all the ungodly, of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way, and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against Kenneth Christ. Can I encourage you? Be patient. Stand firm because the Lord's coming draws near. No matter what, God is still in control. Take that into your mind. Even though we live in a difficult world, God is always, and always has been, in control. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, loving God, just for being with us, Lord, and Lord, even as a preparing us, Lord, it was depressed in so many ways, and yet, how often you have to keep reminding me, Father, that you are in control. No matter what we see or hear, God is with us. We pray, loving God, that we would always keep our eyes on Christ and on Christ alone. We ask these things in our precious name. Amen.